You're listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series, conversations about securing our way of life in the digital age. Welcome, everybody, to Don't Panic, the podcast from Unit 42 at Palo Alto Networks. I am Ryan Olson, Vice President of Threat Intelligence. Hey, guys, I'm Rick Howard. I'm the Chief Security Officer for Palo Alto Networks. And if this is your first time joining us, this is the podcast where we explain to you why you don't need to panic. We tackle the big issues in cybersecurity. And that's the reason we got this thing going is that we too much FUD out there. And so Ryan and I are going to try to make things simple. Yep. So each week we, we pick a big topic and we try to chase it to ground and try to understand, um, help you understand why you don't need to be too worried about it. And this week's topic is an acronym. It is STICKS. 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 Sticks is it 2.0 a band from particular. the 1970s? Not that sticks. A different <laughs> sticks. Not the river sticks. 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 X. S. T. I. X. Which stands for Structured Threat Information Expression. And specifically, what we're talking about is Sticks 2.0. So the latest version of Sticks. All right. So let's back up, Ryan. You and I have been doing this a long time. Yes. Uh, intelligence people, in particular, have been trying to come up with a standard way to talk about threat intelligence. Yes. So. Talk to me about why you think this is an important thing. Why, why, and why did sticks become the thing that everybody's moving to? So, if we go back to the early 2010s, um, people were trying to find ways to communicate indicators, mostly, but also context about indicators to explain. You know, this is threat information we have, and we didn't want to. We'd written lots of reports at that time, but we wanted to have a machine-readable format, something that we could use to speed up the process of communicating threat information from one place to another, and to do it in a structured format and make the world safer. That was really where it came from. That's where it started, but we, in the early days, that is not what happened, right? All the vendors came up with their own formats. There were and tons we, of them. And we would fight over them and who yep. has better ones. And so why did why did Sticks emerge as the one that everybody likes? So it really came from the Department of Homeland Security. So DHS contracted MITRE in 2012, MITRE being um, a company here in the United States that primarily works for the government. Uh, and they said, hey, we want to build this format, a format that everyone can use, and they asked MITRE to do it because they're not Palo Alto Networks, they're not McAfee, they're not a vendor who's going to have some sort of um, you know, pony in that race. They're going to be neutral about it. Right, because if, if we're Palo Alto Networks, we're never going to adopt a FireEye you know, threat intelligence standard. That's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, because right? you have people yeah. who are competing at that point. You yeah. want to have something that's open, and MITRE tends to serve that purpose, which yeah. is why we talked about them in relation to attack on that's a right. previous episode another, as well. Another standard format that we all need to use. So 2012, um, we have of MITRE kicking off the process of building sticks. Uh, they engaged lots of people in the community to build information. Uh, they did this, like I said, for DHS. And the end result was what we call sticks onex the sticks one line. And it's a XML-based framework um, that's really comprehensive. It covers uh, most of the things that you could imagine you might want to share in relation to threat intelligence about um, how an attack actually occurred, what indicators were related to it, who was targeted, who was responsible for it. Uh, and it was also incorporating all these other standards that had cropped up to convey the same kind of information. So a big one that was called Cybrox, which was for cyber observables to express them. Another one called MAEC, which stands, uh, which worked for basically describing how malware actually operated. It pulled all of them together into one format, one giant XML format. Um, and then over time, it started to get some adoption. Well, I was going to say, uh, in the early days, it was like, uh, well, we'll see how this goes. But it really did. A lot of organizations decided to try to use Sticks yeah. One in their in We their were excited to have 
a standard mm -hmm. because we all, everyone felt in their gut at that time, and we still do, that if we can do this from computer to computer, we can be more effective. And it also helped introduce sort of standard models for how, what kind of information do you even need to collect. So when you're building your databases, you're building your tools, you have a better understanding of what are all the things I might want to represent. And so we, we did this, right? So yep. inside of Unit 42, we started using Stix1 to re represent our own data yep. and... Uh, we uh, helped convince the, all the members of the Cyber Threat Alliance to use it also in that sharing platform. Yep, we wanted to have something that was an open standard, something that everybody could use and wasn't going to be exclusive to one vendor, since the CTA is a group of vendors who have gotten together to share. That's right, so that's been fairly successful. Using yep. the Sticks one format, uh, all 21 vendors, by the time this goes public, by the time we publish this, is using a sharing platform that uses Sticks one as the format uh, for all that threat intelligence. Yep, and normally when you hear about sticks, you hear it along with sticks and taxi. That's almost always how people yeah. say it, sticks and taxi. First, it's, it's kind of cool to say, sticks and it taxi, is. and the, the logos are good. Yes, there are, there are logos for them as well. So taxi <laughs> is a, a sister protocol to sticks. So uh, the best way I can explain this is um, sticks is XML, taxi is for communicating that XML. So if you uh, try to convey it, think of it from this perspective. It, HTML is like sticks. It is a way of formatting information that you want to convey for web, and HTTP is the protocol that you use for transmitting that information. Sticks is HTML. Taxi is HTTP. It's the defined secure format for sending this information all around. So we all jumped on sticks one, but Taxi didn't fare that well. So what's what's gone on with that? So Taxi gets used, but Taxi was a rather um, it was a complicated standard. So there were a lot same a lot of the same challenges which we're going to talk about with sticks also plagued Taxi. Uh, so Taxi absolutely does get used, but it gets used not in as complicated ways as other people might imagine. You end up mainly just people pushing data and pulling data, and under the hood, it's basically just HTTP sending data back and forth. So we get Sticks1 out there and people are using it, but, but we start to run into some snags, right? Yeah. And it's not doing everything we want it to do. So talk yeah, so about what we've run into. Sticks1 definitely isn't perfect. Um, there has been, <laughs> there was a lot of adoption. Um, we had a lot of tools that were eventually built. Uh, most threat intel platforms, the things that are meant to for people to work on their threat intel to uh, exchange things, to sort of um, uh, massage things around, started supporting Sticks 1 point something at some point. Um, and that was really good. It's good that we had standards formats because if you wanted to build one tip, one threat intel platform and pull in information from a lot of places, you didn't have to support 60,000 standards. Well, you did because not everyone moved on to sticks, but you had, uh, for especially for complex information, you had just one standard that was going to be the one people were using. I want to go back to something you said, tip. Is that really a thing or is that something you just made up? Threat no. intel platform. Threat intel platform is a thing. That's probably, I don't know if Gartner <laughs> has a magic quadrant for, for it or tips. not, but uh, that's definitely a thing. The tip. They got the, the tip. Great. Yeah, I hear that all the time. So, but Sticks 2 has, or Sticks 1 has challenges. That's why Sticks 2 is coming out. So here's the biggest problem with Sticks 1. It was designed, so one, it's XML. Uh, XML feels like something that we used in the early 2000s, but not really a format of 2018. Um, one of the challenges of Sticks 1 was it was developed by a bunch of people who got together and said, let's build a framework that's really flexible because we want a lot of adoption. Let's be flexible so that people can convey whatever information they want. And that flexibility led to the possibility that Rick, you and I, who are both speaking sticks, might try to convey the same information, but do so in two different ways. And thus defeat the whole purpose and of the And defeat the whole purpose of having a stand in the first place. Effectively, you could end up having dialects of sticks. And this really only happened when you got to 
um, really complicated things you're trying to deliver. If I was just trying to tell you this IP address is bad, we'd probably choose the same way to do that in Sticks. But if you wanted to convey what Sticks was intended for, like an entire report explaining how a threat operated, it would be very hard for two people to do it and produce the exact same thing. Well, that's what we had to do for when, when you were designing and building uh, our own sharing platform, your own tip. Okay? Yes. Uh, we just we, Our solution was to reduce the instruction set down to something very minimal so yep. that we could all agree on what it was. Try to get down to something that everyone can grok, sort of right. get into their head, and once you can do that, it's easier for people to adopt. Um, the other challenge of, and I, I mentioned that XML is not great for this, if you ever wanted to convey a small amount of information formatted in Sticks 1, like a single IP address, it took like 40 lines of XML. Yeah, It's a lot of data to convey, to parse, to handle for a single IP. It's like programming in COBOL. And, like <laughs> and if what you're competing against is people who are going, all I want to do is share a list of bad IPs, that bad IP list could just be, you know, just delimited by new lines. You could got all of your IPs. You're very compact. You're really easy to parse. Even if you're adding some context in like a CSV format to say, you know, which uh, ASN is this on or whatever additional data, you're a lot more compact, easier to handle than Sticks one is. So, so, that, so people didn't challenge. like that. They didn't like that it took yep. so much room to convey really simple ideas. What yes. else, is there anything else we're worried about? So that's those are the main challenges, um, and despite that, we still had lots of adoptions of Sticks One. Yeah, because we still like it. we're not we're not saying it's bad. We're just saying yeah. there are some things we'd like it to do like to do better. That so and it's not just us. Everybody, right. yeah, yeah. MITRE folks included, said you know their problem with Sticks One, and uh, despite uh, we, there was this adoption of Sticks One, and I believe it was probably always the plan for MITRE and DHS to hand this over to a standards body, and in 2016 they handed it over to Oasis, which is a standards body that handles all sorts of kinds of standards, um, you know, geographic standards and like personnel kinds of standards. They, they write, they're a group who gets uh, people from a community together so that they can build a standard that they can all use. They're good at bringing in lots of different groups yep. and, and making everybody go in the same direction. And managing that process. Yeah. So in 2016, MITRE handed Sticks over to Oasis. And at the same time, uh, they kicked off the process of building Sticks 2. And that meant they got, again, people from the community all together to say, if we were going to do this and fix it, what are we going to do? And they made some choices, um, which made it a lot better. They made it a better new standard. Completely incompatible with the other one. It's not like you have the same software, but it's better. And a couple choices, key ones. One, uh, they use JSON instead of XML, so JSON, JavaScript, object, notation, which is a, a more compact format, much more modern format for actually describing um, object-style data, uh, which I think so is important This change. is where I fall, I fall off the technology ladder, yep. okay, because... I hear people say JSON all the time. What is different between that and what, how did Sticks One do it with XML? Is it so Sticks One would have been XML, yep. um, which is totally you can express the same information in XML as with JSON, yep. um, but structurally in XML you have tags like with HTML. So you basically build all these tags around your things, and in JSON instead you have what are effectively um, objects that have uh, like data that has a name. So it might just be you know um, IP address is this. And then you have lists of things. And those objects themselves can contain pointers to other things, which means it's great for building up um, objects that have relationships to another to each other, which is how Sticks 2 is built. So Sticks 2, instead of building a whole bunch of XML that's nested inside each other, instead you have all these defined Sticks data objects, which might be an IP address, or excuse me, it might be an indicator, or it might be a threat actor, or it might be um, a campaign, these different kinds of high-level objects, and those are related to each other. So a threat actor has launched a campaign. There's that relationship between the two objects. During the campaign, they used a malware family and you create a relationship between those. You have instead these individual objects which contain the information related to them. 
and then you have connections between them. It's a lot easier to build tooling for it. It's a, how a lot of people structure their database in the first place. And I think most importantly, it's how threat intel people operate. We operate by finding an object of interest and pivoting to other objects, which means if you build your backend data structure in that sort of graph format, um, which a lot of us have chosen to do, that's what you end up uh, expressing the same information the same way in sticks to. So if, if I simplify it for my own uh, understanding, XML is really good at orchestrating information so we can display it on a web page or sure. some document or anything, but that same idea doesn't really translate to what we're trying to do with threat intelligence. Yeah, if you were just trying to build reports, that would be great. Yeah. XML's pretty good for reporting, but if you're trying to convey a whole bunch of related information, it's just harder to work with. Yeah. Um, and it's not as easy for, for humans to work with as well. JSON is just simple. But for, for most developers, that's what we're used to now. So at Unifor2, we moved over to Sticks 2 to do a couple of things. What, yep. how do, what are we doing there? So we released some of the information that we publish um, when we publish adversary playbooks, which we'll talk about in a future podcast. We publish those in Sticks 2. We convey all of the information um, in that format. Uh, and we don't do it in Sticks 1. Uh, we made the choice um, when we started releasing these about a year ago to pick up the new standard but not use the old one um, because we wanted to help encourage other people to use it. So we built some tools around it as well for being able to parse those out and display them and visualize it. And that in the same way, the tooling that we have internally for actually tracking adversaries is an object relation sort of system where we have these objects, we have a threat actor expressed in a database, and we create relationships between them and all the campaigns that they operate. So it's much easier for us from a um, export perspective to say, how do we push that out into sticks too? So if you want to see a great demonstration of that, uh, Ryan and his team built a tool called the Adversary Playbook Viewer. Yep all using Sticks 2, and it's a way to see adversary playbooks that we'll talk about at some other time. But yeah. uh, you can see Sticks 2 in action if you just look up adversary playbooks. No. If you Google Playbook Viewer, playbook, it's pretty good. Yeah. If you throw Unit 42 in there, you're definitely going to get to it. But <laughs> it's it's on our GitHub, so you find it there. All right. So the, the last thing, I want to talk a little bit about adoption, because we've adopted Sticks 2 for some things. But Sticks 2.0, that's the version that we're on right now, very first version of Sticks 2 has not been widely adopted. So you get that those those tips that I mentioned earlier, they're still using Sticks 1. And the reason for that is Sticks not 1.0, but 1.1.2 or whatever version they eventually settled on before we moved to Sticks 2. And the reason for that is a lot of them are waiting to make sure that the standard doesn't change a lot before Sticks 2.1 comes out. Because one of the challenges of having to build tools is when standards change, your tools have to change along with them. So I know a few of them are just waiting for 2.1 to come out. Um, and hopefully uh, that happens in the near future. It should be happening in in a relatively short time period. Uh, the OASIS CTI, the Cyber Threat Intelligence Committee, um, they are actually working on it right now. They're trying to shake out the final bug so they can release, and hopefully we can move to the next form. Well, I mean, it, it is moving to a completely different setup. So yep. it, even uh, the Cyber Threat Alliance platform, uh, the CTO over there has built the version 2, or sticks yep. 2, right? Uh, and it was a royal pain. It took them a long time to get it all to work the way it should. Yeah, they have to convert, because we've got a lot of sticks 1 structured data, and they need to move from sticks 1 to sticks 2. And one tool that um, I know that the, the CTA is using, and I think others have attempted to use, and it works relatively well, if you're considering doing this, you have sticks 1 data, you want to move to sticks 2, um, uh, there's a tool called the sticks elevator, which will take input sticks 1.x data and output sticks 2.0 data. And it is uh, mostly effective, not 100%. There's some objects that people have run into challenges with, but it um, it works. The tool's available. It's open source, so you can fix it if it's not working as well. So you said, uh, I think you said when 2.1's coming out, when do you think it might be out for the rest of the world? 
Um, so it's not set as far as what the standard looks like. The the OASIS process requires them to um, agree on it across the committee and then actually um, do a bunch of use cases and testing and stuff to make sure that when they release it, it's in good shape. So uh, it's not going to be in the next month or so. We're recording this in on Halloween in October oh, nice, uh, yeah. of, of 2018. Um but uh, so I wouldn't expect it, you know, imminently. But in you know next year sometime, we'll definitely see it. So that's it on sticks. Yes, sticks one and sticks two. Um, anything else we need to think about for this subject? I will just say, from a don't panic perspective, um, sticks one had challenges. Sticks two is much better. We will eventually all adopt sticks two, and we're going to be in a better position. I think that's, there's good things coming uh, as more tools adopt this standard. I think we're going to be a lot more effective at sharing machine readable threat intelligence with context. I think that for every network defender out there, you should be leaning hard towards this now. It's almost ready to go. It's how you're going to receive threat intelligence in the future. So if you don't already have a project on this, you should start one immediately and get up to speed on it. Yeah. And 2.1 isn't going to like be completely different. You can yeah. learn a lot of stuff from hundreds of pages of documentation on <laughs> Sticks 2 right now. Uh, if you're interested in reading standards documents, there's plenty of them for it. Excellent. All right, so now we get to transition to the pop culture moment. It's a reason that came in today. Yes. All right, so let me set this one up. This one is not what I would call sort of traditional hacking, um, but it's interesting. So this is actually from the movie The Social Network. One of my favorites. Tells the story of the creation of Facebook. Well, Ryan and I, you and I have a reason we like this because it was written by... Aaron Sorkin. One of our favorites. Yes, Aaron Sorkin, who did The West Wing, he did The American President, and lots of other things. He writes extremely snappy dialogue, and you're going to hear some of it in a moment. So let me just set this up. So uh, in The Social Network, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, is uh, portrayed by Jesse Eisenberg. Um, and in the clip that I'm about to play here, um, Zuckerberg has just been, you know, turned down by a girl, didn't get invited to a party, he's sitting in his dorm room, he's angry, he's drinking, and he's decided he's going to make... Well, wait, before you decide yep. what he's going to do, this is basically my Thursdays when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> so he's decided he is going to make a website uh, where you can compare one girl to another. Which basically. is awful. He awful wants, to it's do. awful to do. But this is the apparent, uh, it may be potentially... Um, I don't know how much fiction is in this movie. I have no idea. Um, way that the Facebook was originally created. So what he's got to do is get the pictures of all the girls who go to Harvard, who are part of all these you know, houses basically at Harvard. So what he sat down to do, beer in hand at his desk, is get access to all those photos. They all have little websites, and he needs to write some code, do some stuff to extract all the photos, get access to them, and have all the information and build his website. In this clip, this goes. This is like a six-minute clip that happens in the movie itself because there's like all these shots of like people partying and having fun all while I, he's doing the hacking. while he's doing the hacking. Yeah. It's to sort of show the difference between you know he's sitting at his computer drinking, they're out there having fun and being beautiful. Um, so I clipped out all <laughs> the beautiful th- stuff. Another thing I didn't do when I was in college. Yes, that. <laughs> so what you're going to hear is him basically internal notes that he's writing of the process he's going through of accessing all this information. And then we'll talk about what we think about all it. All right, let's hear it. Here we go. Unfortunately, Harvard doesn't keep a public centralized Facebook, so I'm going to have to get all the images from the individual houses that people are in. Let the hacking begin. First up is Kirkland. They keep everything open and allow indexes in their Apache configuration, so a little wget magic is all that's necessary to download the entire Kirkland Facebook. Kid stuff. Next is Elliot. They're also open, but with no indexes on Apache. 
I can run an empty search and it returns all the images in the database in a single page. And I can save the page and Mozilla will save all the images for me. Excellent. Lowell has some security. They require a username password combo and I'm gonna go ahead and say they don't have access to the main FAS user database so they have no way of detecting an intrusion. Adams has no security but limits the number of results to 20 a page. All I need to do is break out the same script I used on Lowell and we're set. Quincy has no online Facebook. What a sham. Nothing I can do about that. Dunster is intense. Not only is there no public directory, but there's no directory at all. You have to do searches, and if your search returns more than 20 matches, nothing gets returned. And once you do get results, they don't link directly to the images, they link to a PHP that redirects or something. Weird. This may be difficult, I'll come back later. Leverett is a little better. They still make you search, but you can do an empty search and get links to pages with every student's picture. It's slightly obnoxious that they only let you view one picture at a time, and there's no way I'm gonna go to 500 pages to download pics one at a time, so it's definitely necessary to break out Emacs and modify that Perl script. All right. I love that. Okay. I it's a I really enjoy that clip. Um, it's a I feel you know a lot of the dialogue in there. Uh, it's very fast. Um, it's classic Sorkin. Very unlikely that um, Aaron Sorkin wrote all of that himself without a little bit of help. I'm guessing. Well, you know why? You know our our go to line. I'm pretty sure Aaron Sorkin knows nothing about Emacs. Yes, unlikely that he knows much about Emacs or <laughs> about PHP or anything else in here. But I, I like the the process that we go through. So in the movie, this is happening over the course of an evening. So it's hours that's going on, which is accurate. That is how things happen. You need to spend time. This isn't breaking into something, but this is really extracting data that wasn't intended to be extracted in this way. So the classification of hacking is we'll a little bit, hacking. but yeah. I'll, I'll agree with yeah. it. Oh, but okay. he's going through, he's got a plan. He's got a list of the sites. He needs to figure out with each one, how do I get the pictures that I need. He does a brief investigation. Some are really easy. Some are hard. Some are completely inaccessible. He's writing notes down around what he's actually doing. And the terminology is all very accurate. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I like this one. Well, we, and sometimes in, in the pop culture moment, we uh, make fun of some of these yeah. movies and TV shows. This is what we're looking at and go, hey, this looks like something could be done. You could probably still do some of this in some of the colleges today. Yeah. And you've got, there's no ticking clock. There's no, no like, no if problem. I don't get there, there's no wire trace that's happening in reverse right now. If he it doesn't <laughs> Disconnect in 60 seconds, something's going to go wrong. It's a good representation. Uh, and you can really see this happening. You can sort of imagine this actually happening. It's it's really well done. It's a great movie. Great movie. Great movie. Go see it. One of our favorites. All right. That is it for this episode of Don't Panic. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and see you on the next one. See you, guys. You've been listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series. For more useful information, including conversations like this one, visit paloaltonetworks.com.